Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com slash cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Well, I'm going to jump in and say thank you guys for coming to Women of Witcher. And um, I'm Jen Seneff. I'm Tanya Gokenauer. Um, we're the Rhoynish Turtle Conservation Society, which is a really geeky reference to something in Game of Thrones with uh, the turtles on Mother Rhoyne. So nobody wants another turtle watch. Um, but we're part of a group of women that do panels. Um, we, well, you call us the Tuscan. Yeah, yesterday I decided to call the two of us the Tuscan delegation. That's right. Because we seem to be the only two who can consistently come down. And we love you for Yay! We always have a good time. Yep. And we always, and because we're the only ones who can come here, we can talk about whatever we want. That's right. And if you haven't noticed, we're pretty informal, and we like it that way. We want you guys to talk. Um, we figure you're here because you like Witcher, and you're excited to hear about Witcher and talk about Witcher, so we want to hear your opinions. We don't want to do all the talking today. Now, if you don't want to talk, that's fine. There's no pressure. Um, but I'm just throwing that out there. We want you guys to jump in. Um, we love doing um, topics on women. Uh, like, we did a lot with Game of Thrones, but now we saw Witcher and we're like, ooh, another opportunity. Yeah. Who here played Witcher on, like, who played the game? I just started playing. My husband had played it, and I'd watched him play, right? But I'm like, I need to play. Um, how about reading the books? Have anybody read the books? I read no. the, I've read the first one, and then I'm still reading it. Just so you know, I started, and I found it a little difficult because um, I think the translation's a little awkward. Um, but it's worthwhile. But we're just, no worries, we're here to talk about the Netflix show. Oh, okay. I have seen The Witcher, the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Is the book similar? Or is it's based on the books. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then it stopped when it became interesting. Well, season two starts out December 17th. Oh. Yeah, we get more, which is exciting. Okay. Yeah. And you can always look at the books. Yeah. That's true. There's good movies out there. That one. Because I'm like the game, I gotta consume more. I've heard about the books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long has the game been out? Uh, because they're on the almost. Was oh. was the third one the last one that the came out? The third one's the last one that came out, but they they give it updates, which is nice. Mm. So so that the story is continuing. Well, definitely from what I've seen of the game so far, if you like gaming, it's worth it. Yeah. Tons of content. Tons of content. Um, so I'll let you jump in. Yeah, 
I keep thinking I want to play the game, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. 2007. Yeah, oh, it's one. It's the first one. Yeah, I know it's been a while. They've been out for a bit. So, um, you see the show. It's like the world of The Witcher. It's, it's a pretty male-dominated world, but there are a lot of strong women throughout who made names. And then there's like some of the people we're going to talk to are some of the strong women who made names from names for themselves. From Yennefer to the Lioness of Sintra and more. So today we're just going to talk about some of a few that a few that we picked out, and we're going to talk about the things we like, things we didn't like, maybe things some things we want to see in the future. Um, so, you guys, since you guys have probably watched the show, um, what's your favorite female character from The Witcher from the show? If you have one. <laughs> hey, starting with names, I forget names. Starting with the 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 witch from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was a great intro because she was a great intro. You totally realize he's not misogynistic at all. He's just like, yeah, she had this all. <laughs> Talks to the wizard. You fucked up. You did her wrong. Totally. Did she. Her. She's got. You got the skill. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, it was a really powerful way to start the series, I thought. And I also thought it really, it set expectations for the way the the world is going to behave Mm -hmm. and the way the main character is going to behave. Agreed. And yeah. Anybody else? Another shout out for another one of the women you like? If you don't remember a name, well, we can help figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. We had to have cheat sheets because we forget sometimes oh. names. We're like, who is that? That that person with the hair? Yeah. Yeah, the, the witch that he's up uh, arms against or back and forth with. The, the, the love hate relationship. Yeah, uh, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. Yes. She's a beautiful arc. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, it seems like, I mean, just in season one, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, today, um, Let's start with Yennefer. Yeah, Yennefer of Vandenberg. And what we like is that we think Yennefer knows what she wants, right? She has a very clear vision of what she wants. But we talked about this. This isn't something we hate. We're talking about what we love now, right? Um, But the problem with Yennefer is that she knows what she wants, but then when she gets it, it's not what she wants, and she wants something else, right? So she's always constantly driven. And we like how she's driven, and she gets so hyper focused. But then, um, but then once you know, it's like I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this, but when you're young, right, you think you know this is the vision of what I want to see myself at at this point, and here's how it's going to look, right? And then you kind of get to that place, and you're like, why did I think this was all it was meant to be, right? And we see a lot of that in Yennefer's arc, I think. Yeah, because since like, she was originally supposed to go somewhere else, I don't remember the place names, and I forgot to write them down. Um, I think she um, was she was going where um, she was, Brangilla went, which was mm-hmm. Nilfgaard, right? Yeah. yeah. And then she was originally going to Nilfgaard. She's like, going to have an easy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she shows up at she shows up at the big banquet where the kings were going to be meeting their their sorceresses, and she just basically scoops that post right out from under Fringilla, where she was supposed to go, and 
because that's where she wanted to go. And she was going to get what she wanted at all costs. And it does kind of make me wonder if things had just, if, like if certain things would have turned out differently if she had just, if she had done what she was supposed to do. <laughs> and not had pillow talk. <laughs> Don't trust the guy. I think, you know, it's really funny. When Yennefer first showed up, I had a really hard time liking her. Right? I I felt very conflicted with her because um, I, I felt like she was just really ruthless, you know, and and she um, she didn't care if people got hurt along the way. Um, I don't know. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. She totally had the mean girl at school feel when she first started because she was going to do anything to get ahead. She was, right? And I don't remember the name of the guy that she first met um, at the at the school. I know that she was like all hurt that he told that she was part elf, right? But um, but she was willing to sell him out too. So, I mean, it was just sort of like, well, you don't get to be mad if you're going to sell somebody out on the other side, right? And we see that in her that, you know, she just... Her morality is very fluid. Yeah. It's, it's quite fun. Hypocrisy. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's <laughs> a girl you love to hate. She is, yeah. I mean, she, um, and I know um, I'm going to I'm gonna jump to Triss, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. But we don't get to see much of Triss um, in the first season. And Triss, just as a reminder, um, she was um, Tamarian. So... Um, as a reminder, there's the story with the Strega, where, um, you know, the Witcher goes, and um, there's a bunch of miners, and they're getting killed by this terrible creature that's been haunting the area for a while. And um, Triss, um, you know, there was another Witcher that came and was killed, right? And um, they say, we don't want you here. He took our gold and ran off. Really, he was killed. But they are telling the story of how he ran off with the gold. And, you know, the Witcher shows up and they're like, get out of here, Witcher. And Triss comes and is like, no, 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 I want you here. And she's like pleading, even though the king doesn't know she's doing this. She's pleading to try to help because she understands the Strega is a victim. Right? And I don't know. Do you guys remember the story? I don't have to tell the whole story if you remember it. Okay. Well, the uh, I'll tell a little more of the story. So, with the Strega, um, the problem was that the king was sleeping with a sister, and uh, we find out that it was the advisor, I believe, who um, uh, was jealous and cursed um, the sister, and she was pregnant, and her her baby was born, she died, and her baby was born as this terrible monster who's been, like, locked up and has never had any human contact and is, like, 14 years old or so, right? And so um, Tris has this real compassion for her and goes to him and is like, can you save her and not kill her? And um, through the story, like, you know, he talks to the king and finds out the whole tale and is able to save her at the end. Um, and that's when we first see Triss, right? And we see Triss at the end um, in the battle, too. And we think she dies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's we think she dies. Dot, dot, dot. 
perhaps dies or not. But um, she's really good friends with Yennefer, which isn't, like, really brought out in the series. But Triss is, like, I just wonder, like, Triss seems so compassionate, and Yennefer's got that mean girl thing going on. And um, what I love about Triss is that she is compassionate, and she does fight for what she believes in. Oh, thank you. She's totally the light to her dark. She is. She's the light to her dark. So um, I'm just throwing out there. I hope Trish shows back up. Because maybe she's dead, or maybe she's alive. <coughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. But um, but I like that we have, like, the thing I like about Yennefer, and then I'll shut up so you can talk. <laughs> I actually have a, a, an observation. Ooh, go I for it. Like, you, you talked about, like, Trish and Jennifer, Yennefer being so opposite. Maybe Yennefer is so ruthless because of her, where she came, how she, where she came from. Mm-hmm. She was basically treated like trash. She was, and now she's like, because you kind of like she changes whenever mm-hmm. she's in an environment where somebody actually, even though like Tissaia, who we're going to talk about, is real hard ass on yet to Yennefer. Someone sees something in her. Someone is giving her value and letting her know that she can be something. And I wonder sometimes if part of Jennifer's ruthlessness is to make sure that nobody ever makes her feel that way again. Nobody mm-hmm. ever takes that away. Mm-hmm. Because she was a peasant girl mucking, you know, on peasant yeah. girl mucking stalls, you know. Yeah. Like, She's got to fight for everything. Like there was literally an exchange of money for her to leave her home. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, so, yeah, I just, it was just something I thought of while you were talking. I'm glad you said it, because it's a really good point. We kind of talked about it the other day, but glommed mm-hmm. right over. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing that I I was going to say, you know, you bring this up about Yennefer, like, we understand those motivations, right? I think they're very clear. Um, what I really like is that we don't have, she doesn't have to be this perfect person, right? And she doesn't have to be all good or all bad because people aren't all good or all bad. And how boring would that be if they were so one-dimensional? And I I think that I, what I really like about Yennefer is that she's got this darkness, but she's got this goodness too. And she's very complex. And, um, like, yeah, Tris is a little more straightforward, but we haven't seen much of her yet. Right. So we don't know how where she's going to go in the series anyway, if they follow the books or the, the game or, you know, we don't know how that's going to go yet, but yeah. And it was really interesting too. I thought at the end of the season one, whatever, it's like, so to speak, the chips are down and their side is not doing well. And Yennefer throughout, like throughout the series, she has these things where it's like, well, she just wants to like walk away from stuff. And then she's finally like, somebody points out, it's like, you're the only one who can do this. You're the only one who has this much power. And she steps up and does what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, it was. Talk about Queen Calanthe. Queen Calanthe. We were talking about her a little while ago. She's kind of like a problematic fave. Because she's, like, she's tough. She's the shit. She is, she is, she is not, she can go from, you know, courtly dress with a full formal wear and the, and the crown to a suit of armor getting out there and just coming back bloody to her daughter's like engagement banquet. Mm -hmm. And 
Like she's she's hard, but she and she has very selective compassion. And we wonder so like and it's like kind of makes you wonder if sometimes she's a she is so much harder and a little bit over the top to like show to show everybody like don't treat me as lesser because I can I will end you mm-hmm. if I, if you piss me off. And it was kind of the funny the thing I thought was sort of funny about like like for example the engagement banquet. Is like her daughter, you kind of get the idea her daughter's like upper teens and ready to be betrothed and married off. And then, you know, mom comes in all like, hey, everybody, I've just been out there. And there's a drink and she's covered in blood and she's wearing her armor. And you see her daughter just like that, that mortification that the kids sometimes get with their parents whenever they think their parents are being embarrassing. It's like, don't kiss me on the cheek in front of the other kids, mom. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And in this case, it's like, God, mom, did you have to wear your armor to this? <laughs> it's bad enough you're mirroring me off to somebody I don't want. Right. And I think it was also, it was, in, in many ways, it was kind of a cool way to present her character because she's also, like, there's, like, her husband is, is has been dead for a while. And there's this other, this man who's like paying ice, I believe. Totally. He's totally smitten with her. And she's kind of been like, you know, a little bit flirty or whatever. And then finally he declares himself. And you see that whenever the fight breaks up, like they fight back to back and all that. And then at the end, she's like, sure, let's do it. Let's get married. He does put her on the spot. Yeah. But, it's, but she totally rises to the occasion. She's just like, why not? I can do this. I can get married again if I want to. I'm the queen, damn it. Right? But don't you think, yeah, I get the impression that, like, her previous husband must have been really, like, in the driver's seat and overbearing, right? Because I feel like she's overcompensating a lot because she she doesn't want to have that happen to her again. So I think her, like, capitulating the way she does is a really big deal, right? Probably. Yeah. There is there is one part, and I wish I had I wish I had made a note of the quote because somebody says something there, and she tell basically she tells all the men in the room like I'm not going to listen to you about what to do about a situation because you've never had to be in this situation, and she's she doesn't suck the fools. No, she doesn't. I mean, the thing when I mentioned she has selective compassion, like she. Whenever, um, when Sindra falls and she's dying, she instructs, she has compassion for the people in her immediate household because she doesn't want them to be captured and tortured because she's heard what happens. So she instructs somebody to go and basically distribute poison to everyone. Mm-hmm. She has Mousesack, the druid, and somebody else, like, get Siri out. And she, re- and she, she knows, like, they're coming for Siri. Like that's why they're there. And so she like she will go out and she'll lay waste to all these other places and turn people into refugees and destroy their homes. But she's gonna take care of her own. And she's denying them victory. Yeah. 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 It's a big it's a big middle finger whenever she poisons everybody and then she's like she's dying herself and then she just jumps out a window. Yeah, she just flips everybody off. Right. 
And we kind of started to talk about what we hated about her. It's kind of the flip side. So let's just keep, keep with that. We're going to jump to what we hate with her a little bit. And then we'll come back to some of the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not being very linear today. <laughs> We're going to do what we love and what we hate. We're like, no, but um, we were talking about how um, the selective compassion and her viewing things as a weakness. She's even though she obviously loves her daughter very, very much. She has an idea of what her daughter needs to do, right, and who her daughter needs to be with, and it needs to be with somebody who's strong and a good connection for the the kingdom. And um, you know, then this. Um, what was his name? I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget. Do you remember? No. Dirt Dooney. Dooney yeah. shows up this this cursed knight who looks like a hedgehog. Yeah. What is that? Like who came up with the hedgehog? I mean, is that in the books? Slavic I that. folklore. Slavic folklore. folklore. <laughs> okay. So he looks like a hedgehog. Not my kind of guy. Um, but you know, her daughter is obviously very much in love with him, right? And she still can't let go. Like, she thinks he's an abomination, and she doesn't want her to be with him. And at the end, she pretends, right, if you guys remember that, you know, she's going to accept him, and then she goes to kill him, and the witcher intervenes. And so there's this whole talk about the law of surprise. Because isn't that why Dooney can, one of the reasons he can be with it's right. something to do with King Ice saved his life. Mm-hmm. And as a repayment, like in the in that world, as a repayment, you can use like it's basically kind of like like a favor for later or something. Yes. A boon. A boon. A boon. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's the that's the, the first right word. reward you come into, there's your surprise. Yeah, there's a lot surprise. of surprise. And so as soon as um it's awesome, right? Because as soon as he saves him and he claims the law of surprise. She barfs with morning sickness. And so we know that the Witcher and Siri are going to be connected from that. Um, but, but what we don't like is her brutality, right? She obviously loves her daughter to an extent, but she's still willing. She's still so ruthless that, you know, and she can't let things go. And it has to be her way or the highway that, you know, that she's willing to sacrifice her daughter's happiness for what she thinks is a good thing. And when the Witcher comes for Ciri, saying, hey, she's in danger, I need to take her, right? We need to flee. You know, Calente is like, no, she holds on to Ciri, even though I it's not the best thing. I can keep her safe, is like what she tells him. Yes, her, I can her, keep her, her safe. Pride. And they try to give him, they, they like, give him some other kid. <laughs> And tell him it's Siri, and he figures it out and comes back, and it's like, the hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we uh, we find, and, and let's be honest, she slaughtered the elves, like, really brutally, like, racially. Like, it, from what I can tell, there, there wasn't a really good reason for her to slaughter all the elves. It's just like, yeah, there's a lot of people, and they just didn't hate elves. They first. I like the idea that there may be a good reason to commit genocide. I'm, I'm struggling to come up with it. But, uh... Well, thank you. That's a very good point. There is no good reason for genocide. But I mean, like, like we don't know the whole back. I don't know the whole backstory to it. I don't know if it's explained in the books. Like I said, I've read some of the book, but haven't gotten through all of it because we, you guys were walking in. But I found the translation to be really kind of awkward and clunky, and I kept 
I keep trying to read and I get stuck. But I don't know, like... What's the original language for the book? Polish. Polish. Oh. And um, I find, like, I don't understand what the racial hatred is with the elves. Like, I don't know what's behind it. If it was because they were there first and... You know what I mean? It's one of those situations. That may be it. Um, but I feel like I would like to know more about that, why they're they're so reviled. But she wipes out, yeah, mass genocide. Like, she's not a nice lady. So we can we can embrace liking her badassness. At the same time, again, I like that she's not all good and she's not all bad, right? Which makes her more human. Yeah, I mean, so far it's like there are women in this series that are <gasps> fully formed characters. Oh my god, that's what we're saying. <laughs> Motivations, fears, reservations, what? And I didn't expect that out of The Witcher. I'll be really honest. I expected it to be pretty flat, and that's why we're kind of like, wow, there's a lot more going on here. <laughs> because I came to The Witcher watching my husband play it as a video game, and I hadn't read the books, and I I didn't know to, if, just from what I'd seen from the video game, I didn't expect necessarily a lot out of the characters. You know, I didn't know how they, I didn't know that much about the books, so I didn't know how fully formed they were gonna be. Only because, I don't know about you guys, but most of, I, when I go in, if I've liked a video game, and I go to see a movie or a series about a video game, I always come out going, we're used to the disappointment. Right? Okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you adapt the video game into the movie. Wow. It's almost a given. It's almost so, a given, right? And yeah. so that's what I was expecting. which by the end of the season you realize the time jumps mm-hmm. that until the end you don't realize the time jumps of the story that are happening yeah well, I think that was that was kind of challenging I picked up on it somewhere in the middle just by looking at some of the background like scenery and the way that people six, were dressed where it really snaps um, yeah and then it's like when I started to reread the first book Last Wish I realized it's like well I, know, I also had like looked it up on the internet trying not to get spoiled and it's like, why is it doing this? What is this? And then basically it's like, well, season one, they basically made the first book. Mm-hmm. But they put, I think they put the stories in a slightly different order. So it's kind of interesting. I, mean, I thought it was kind of a cool way to tell the story, even if sometimes it was confusing. Mm-hmm. So, Especially with the beauty like that last episode when the story lands just right yeah. there. <laughs> it's like, and some, this was the preface. Yeah. Some beautiful nerds out there put together this this timeline <laughs> and and it was cool to open up the web page because it all just you could see everything start to diverge or to converge so yeah it was cool um, so, i've been enjoying the uh, the witcher uh, graphic novels oh, oh that's oh, neat nice. I didn't know they were. oh yes they are, they are nice and they've got strong women characters in there so. oh my gosh we have to check out the graphic novels now. yeah it's a must and uh, the animation on netflix Mm-hmm. That was good. So, yeah. Can, can I say something? Because yes. I have watched The Witcher quite a while back during COVID. Mm-hmm. Watched a lot. So right now I don't have any 
details in my head, but since you're talking about how you're analyzing the characters, I will go back and watch it again because I remember when I watched it, I wasn't putting this thought into it. You guys put it. Oh, yeah, I was thinking, trying to revisit. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking, oh, okay, before I watch the second one, I need to go back and get this, especially with your inputs now. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, oh, I haven't put attention to this. I'm just watching it for entertainment. Let's talk about Frangilla while we have time because we have a big thing about Yennefer that we want to get into that's going to be a little, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so Frangilla, you want to talk about Frangilla? All right, so we so we see Frangilla, right? Um, she's um, one of the acolytes um, that's training with Yennefer at the same time. And Yennefer, we talk about, swoops in and wants to take over Frangilla's area that she's been given, um, where she's supposed to go and and be a mage and you know direct the kingdom. And um, Frangilla ends up in Nilfgaard. Uh, which is where Yennefer was supposed to go. And Frangilla decides that she is going to make the most of this opportunity. And it's, I always say it's Emperor, is it Emir? Emir? Emir. Emir. Um, so Emperor Emir, um, is kind of just brainwashing everybody, right? Into this flame of something. And, um, he is looking for power. He's looking for Siri. He's coming after Siri for power. And um, Frangilla is helping him all along the way. And she is doing some bad stuff, bad juju. She's betraying everybody. She's There's betraying one, yeah. everybody. In I'm sorry. Oh, no, go. There was one thing that I thought that I remembered, and I realized and I forgot to put it down, is that one interesting thing about Frangilla really was when they first. When she's, cause she, you know, she's in the same class as Yennefer, and like kind of their first lesson is to say a tell. There's a rose and a stone, and to say it tells everyone to use your your power to lift the stone. Fringilla does it right away, and her hand kind of shrivels up, and to say it kind of you kind of is like well. You shouldn't do that, and that magic has a cost. If you're using the, if you're using this power, there's a cost to it, and that's why whenever and then she demonstrates you hold, holding the rose in one hand while lifting the stone, and it use it takes the um, the life or essence or whatever they whatever they call it in the Witcher's world. Basically, the rose the rose withers and the stone levitates. And it's what she was trying to demonstrate, you know, don't put so much of yourself into it because you're going to hurt yourself. And I feel like Fringilla was always a little bitter after that. Well, she was set up to fail. She right. was. Yeah. You know, here she was, a student, going to do her thing, and she's literally given a task, set to fail. Yeah. And so it kind of like, she was a little kind of like, you know, jaded. Jaded, jaded about the whole thing. Like there was this whole deal where... Because whenever they said the sorceress that were supposed to send to Nilfgaard was supposed to make this guy like chill out, and it's, it's like doom, See, that, that's you know. why I think why, why she is the way she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she has to go to Nilfgaard. That's why 
I think that's why she's doing what she's doing. I do too. That makes sense. I think so exactly. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Because, you know, she, um, she's just like, okay, watch this. Fine. What I can do. Mm-hmm. Watch what I can do. And then her crazy meets his crazy. You yeah. got that that perfect crazy couple that mirror each other all the <laughs> ways. That's exactly and it right. Feeds off each other. Yep. And so that's what we love. We love that she's a really great villain. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And um, Siri. Siri is Siri is Queen Calanthe's granddaughter. And I, I looked it up because I couldn't remember if it was ever addressed. And I guess um, Siri's parents were on a ship. They were like on a voyage somewhere. And something happened out there. The ship went down and they died. So now we've got this girl who's being raised by her grandmother. And you know who we've already discussed? <laughs> and, like we see that Siri is, she's pretty sharp. And she's... She's, there's a bit where she's in the library or whatever. It looks like maybe kind of like a library or something like that. And she's been reading and she's talking to Mouse Sack and Mouse Sack is trying to placate her because, you know, you, it's the, the things you tell a child whenever they're worried about their guardian or their loved one. And Siri sees right through it. She's and got her grandma's, you know, coming. Yeah. And he's like, uh. <laughs> he's kind of caught flat-footed because now it's like none, none of the platitudes <laughs> are going to work. <laughs> so okay. he's like, huh. so like he, but it's also kind of fun because they a lot of times they treat her like a regular. She's supposed to be like a princess and everything, but they kind of treat her like a regular kid because the first time you see her, she's out on the street with the peasant kids playing knuckle bones, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What are you doing? You have to get in there." Did you use the trick I taught you? Yeah. <laughs> like they're all yeah. Like, did, did you use the trick? Like, yeah, like her, it was iced. Like, did you use the trick I taught you? Mm-hmm. She's like everybody's little buddy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like a fun sort of thing where she's like this, you know, this, this princess where she has to dress up in finery and part of the pomp and circumstance of court, but she also gets to go play with the kids. Yeah. She's a lot of grandmother in that regard. She's totally her thing. Yeah. And she's totally her mother's daughter because we see the pris proper princess just like mom, you mm-hmm. know, who we see in the flashback. But she's cunning like grandma. And she 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 looks and observes like she's told to mm-hmm. you need to you need to know this. Yes. And we see at one point when Siri gets upset, and I think it's after her grandmother is brought in and she's mortally wounded. And again, there's that whole thing of trying to protect Siri from the truth. Mm-hmm. It's all right. I'll be, you know, I'll be okay. And Siri's kind of like, you can see the gears <laughs> turning where she's like, I don't think so. This looks pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But Siri gets upset and she screams and like things happen. And that's whenever Calanthe realizes for absolute certain that the power that this because she has this power in her family because her, her daughter had it and so she had wondered up to this point did the power skip siri too and then she sees that it didn't and then she gets really she gets even more worried and siri is nicknamed like her grandmother nicknames her like the lion cub of sintra because of course calanthe is the lioness um, so siri is the cub 
and Siri, they get her out of the castle, and she goes on the run. She gets chased. I think she's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> she's like she she briefly when she goes on the run, she ends up in the woods, and she meets up with this, a young boy, and it turns out the boy is an elf, and Siri's granddaughter murdered his entire family. Like, her forces murdered his family, and she's like, ah. Uh, yeah, exactly, but she's just like, I don't, like, she doesn't understand why this would happen. She's, this is the classic Romeo and Julia story, you know, where this, the two get together, and the last folks to get together. They could, yeah, they could have taken it there. Yeah, and she's now realizing you find a whole new world. You know what? Yeah, because because you see her growth as you know Correct. a refugee. Mm-hmm. She's learning mm-hmm. that, oh, damn, people live like this. You know, I'm begging on the kindness of strangers, and then you realize the elf of who knows what story she was told about elves. You know. Oh yeah, and yet she's not racist, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. She embraces him, and she she's just like she's kind of a. A clean slate like she's her she still was naive enough right to not know these stories that, about what her grandmother did so she's still you see her developing like you said and maturing and she's still a clean enough slate that she doesn't have that hate ingrained in her she was kind of in a little bit of a bubble and the fact that she thought he was human because she assumed right and kindness was all he was giving her and help Correct. So she, you know, later on can attribute, elf doesn't mean bad. It right. means someone who saved my ass in a bad situation. Right. And I kind of think, like, and like, her finding out this stuff about what her grandmother's, like, brain did, it's kind of like that moment whenever people realize that the adults in their lives are full, are full, are full people, not yeah. just the parts that you see. And it hurts. It hurts to see ugliness in people you love, right? And we see her having that realization that there's ugliness in this person she idolized. Yeah, yeah. And she has some. Um, they meet up with these dryads in Brooklyn Forest, and they take them in. And basically, like they give them, they give them shelter and, and a meal, and there's. Like there's some conversation about whether she should stay or go, and I'm, if I remember, I could be a little bit fuzzy, but I feel like there was a moment where there's somebody like they're taken to see the person who's like in charge, Queen Queen Ethne. I might be saying it wrong, and I think that there's kind of a conversation like, I don't think you can stay here. <laughs> it's like we're happy to help you, but you're gonna have to leave, and. Because they kind of like they unders like they know who she is. And they don't want the invading army coming in. Yeah. Right. It's and not just the old hatred, it's also there's an invading it's, army coming. Yeah, it's preservation. And it is interesting too, like at a certain point when Siri is escaping the main baddie from Milkgard, she gets away and her scream, her power spills out and splits the earth. And she's able to get away from him. And now they're like <laughs> And so, yeah, and I just really loved in this show how the way it brought them together because they talked a lot about the law of surprise and destiny and how 
if people are meant to be together, be, meant to be connected in some way because of it, they'll find each other. And you see, like, from these far flung, like, like these far flung regions, they end up finding each other because she was told to look for him and he's been looking for her. And she just runs to him. She's like, you get the impression she doesn't really know him that well, but she knows that he's safety. Mm-hmm. She knows that he's safe. Yeah. And I am really excited to see what happens with her next. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, we're going to jump over to Saya, who runs Arafusa, because we want to talk about Yennefer. And we want to talk about Yennefer with um, two things. Her disability. Um, two things that we, we kind of hate, right? Her disability, how it's handled, and we want to talk about the whole fixation on the baby, which is problematic. Um, do you want to jump in on the disability? I think so. Um, because there's this idea, there's always this idea in media, in shows and movies, where you have somebody has to look a certain way to have value and to be valued. And so it's interesting because at first you're like, they introduce Yennefer and it's like, oh, well, this is gonna be something new and interesting. And they have her like, you know, learn to go to, they have her still like go through everything to learn the magic and she's doing really well at it. And then she goes to do like the final whatever that they're gonna do. And then it's like, oh, this is basically a makeover show. This was a makeover. Why did you have to do that? I mean, it's like in rom-coms, whenever nobody wants to date the girl who looks mousy and wears glasses until they give her contact lenses and makeup and a new hairdo. And so it was kind of, it kind of seemed a little weird and a little problematic because it's like, are you saying that like, I know that's what she wants, but at the same time, are you also saying that people who aren't perfect, who don't fit a certain beauty standard, are you saying that they don't have value and can't have a place in this world? Because the problematic thing there is if you have the face and if you look the way, you'd be way more charged to stay that way. But when you don't have it, you can slide through the cracks way more easier and yeah. less judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's how I look at, at this because the ones who have the look have way more time to keep this. And, and because of aging, it will not happen. Yeah. So the ones who are not judged on, on that have an easier time to slide back. And then you're not being judged anyway. Right. And I was going to say, I read an article about, um, it was from somebody, um, I, I don't know what their disability was, but they were talking about how representation is important, right? And representation of disability in a show, they had a lot of hope, because they didn't know what was going to happen, they hadn't read the books. They had a lot of hope with Yennefer that maybe there was going to be somebody that just happened to be disabled, right? And they were more than their disability. And that's what they were hoping for out of it, and it didn't go that path. Mm-hmm. And they felt like that set back the community. What do you guys think about that commentary? Do you agree with that? Well, but with in regards to Geralt in particular, because he's supposed to be in like chronic pain and have all this like horrible stuff, and then have a limp and stuff, and he's just 
big badass guy with a sword. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. where's all the chronic pain and the, the lymph and all the stuff that he's supposed to have that's not right. being shown? Yeah, are like curmudgeon alcoholism. Is, is, yeah. like, is, is that, yeah, are we meant to believe that that's why he's like that? That that's why all he really does is go, and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but then also you have to think, because it's a Netflix show and whatever has it, they very often cannot go and it's a topic. Yeah. You know, they can't exploit it. Like Hollywood shows you the whole story is so long, you know, just for entertainment. So I, I wouldn't dwell on this too much. It's just. See, I yeah. see it's like the major skills. It's another weapon in their arsenal against the royals. Mm-hmm. Remember, there is that power play. The major guild is manipulating everyone. Because there's a reason why they send their people out to all the kingdoms to keep shit in check. Oh, sure. And by making the women beautiful and sending them off to the kings to manipulate, there is that power edge there, you know. Mm-hmm. Making the guys the dashingest guy court that can seduce all the ladies or the lords as need be, you know, so they have an extra weapon. You know, so it's yeah. not just magic. It's, I haven't it's, thought about that. I don't know why. Because they're it mages. Feels... They manipulate everything. Yeah. They convince the world that sorceresses are all evil and should be burned at the stake. Because in the world of the witch, remember, you have the mutation issue. Sure. That magic changes things. And sweeping sure. mutation is like Spanish Inquisition. Exactly. That's why the witchers are so exactly. all at arm's length. Yeah, because everybody's like, Ew. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. And, um, I understand why they make her beautiful. It totally makes sense. But I was sad. Yeah. Right. That we lost that, that edge to her. So we lost that that complexity. Like I, I would have liked to have seen. It's just like I was in a panel the other night. The I don't know if you guys were at the um, horror panel, a social commentary, but they were talking about certain things like mental health. Right. Like, wouldn't it be great to? not have to use mental health as this hammer, right? And really somebody could have a mental health issue and maybe be the victim, right? (laughs) Like they don't always have to be the bad person. The bad person doesn't always have to have mental health issues. Sometimes people just have mental health issues and they that doesn't define them, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I would have liked to have seen her be somebody with a disability where maybe the disability didn't define her. But I do understand in this um in this arena, this world that it makes sense from a power perspective and you know it's it it makes sense from um kind of like the time it was set to yeah. beauty mattered yeah. and beauty That's still true. matters but we yeah. i think we have more compassion now about it but, but we're but trying to another show and i can't remember the title where they live out in the chills around the lakes mm-hmm and they're all making the girls look ugly by cutting their face so that they're not being taken. Ah, because oh, wow. wow. there's the other side of that. The other they're side. making yeah. themselves look ugly so they're not being taken. Sort of like, you know, cover your beauty, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. be safe. So, so it goes both ways. You can achieve yeah. something with beauty or it could be a curse. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Um, just so we have time, um, we wanted to talk about Yennefer's fixation on having a baby. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how Yennefer had this idea in her head of what she wanted. And she got it, and then she was so jaded, right? You know, what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, it was not a gift to get what she wanted. 
and she, I think she starts fixating on the baby. There's been a lot of commentary about it, like this doesn't make sense, and you know what a cheap thing to put in there. But we were talking with somebody last night actually who couldn't have kids, and um, she was giving a perspective of based on her context of how she was raised and just. I mean, she's a very liberal person, but like she felt less than because she couldn't have a kid. She like really it was like a problem and a struggle for her. And here's Jennifer, right? Like she got what she wanted and she was so fixated on it. And now she's fixating on something else that is almost impossible to get. That's a challenge, right? And I don't know that she really wants to have a baby as much as she wants the opportunity to have that choice given back to her because she gave it away and she wants it back, right? And even we see the witcher in the in the show, he says, yeah, what are you going to do with a kid with your lifestyle? What are you going to do with a kid? And she has no answer for that, right? Which is also pretty foreshadowing. But um, but I think, you know, for all the argument that her fixating on the kid doesn't make sense, I think it does for her. I would argue it makes sense in her feeling a sense of loss, of giving something up that was, that she could have had as a choice, right, for her body. I think that that really um, is in line with her character. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That it wasn't just a cheap play. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. think about it. That's something she could have had without the magic, without the power, without the teaching, without the prestige. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now that she sacrificed that for the prestige, you know, now it's something she can't have. Plus there's the, okay, I need to do this to be able to eat to see tomorrow. Now I've taken care of all these problems. What's my next problem? Oh, wait. What do you mean I couldn't have that? You're wrong. I'll fix that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have the power. So we want to ask before we go here, here's what we want to throw out there and see what you guys think. So what we hope to see more in season two, um, more Triss, right? More sexy times with Jennifer. Who doesn't want those, right? Um, Siri coming into her power and training, which I think we'll see, right? Yeah, there was a scene, and there's a still I've seen from the trailer that looks very much like she's going to be following a little bit in grandma's footsteps and learning how to fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I guess, you know, Geralt's answer if somebody's, what are you going to do with a kid, would be stick a sword in their hand and teach them how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you guys looking forward to seeing out of season two? That's our last question for you before we go. I'm hoping to see more elf human interaction. Mm-hmm. I want to see the dragon with the with the warrior women again. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> was so my favorite, actually. I love thinking about like I love the warrior women how they're just like he's the best man in the world, and they're all like, "What are you talking about? He's a really old man. <laughs> he's the most beautiful. <laughs> he's the most beautiful man in the world." And it's just like what? And then see at the end that he is the dragon. Mm -hmm. It was it was <laughs> such, it was so funny watching that episode because I was doing the same thing. I'm like what? And like halfway through, my husband just went, he's the dragon. Yeah, my, <laughs> I bet he's the dragon. My dad figured it out right away because of the Dragonland series, I think it was. Oh, um, it was the Dragonland series that he read. Um, where the dragons turn into humans all the time. Oh, so yeah. he already had it like in his head. He's like, oh yeah, that's it. He's the dragon. Right off the bat. He already knew. Yep. 
<laughs> I mean, if you're a dragon, you'd probably be in human form. All the little human stuff running away and screaming. <laughs> it's like you finally get to talk to people. <laughs> but that, that was my favorite episode, was the dragon one. And I love the warrior women. They're great. They were great. I'm glad you brought them up because we hadn't <laughs> talked about them. So, well done. Yeah, like, good I, shout I, out. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you guys like to see a little bit more of? We have a couple more minutes. I'm curious. More naked witches. More naked <laughs> More hot tub seats. More naked beautiful people. So I was going to say that because I want more uh, of what we got. You know, some characters that were well fleshed out in situations we're learning more about. You know, I want to watch this world evolve. Mm-hmm. And then I read social media, and clearly, what most people want is the witches, but. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the coin off your windshield. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the like, why not both? Those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. I'm hoping that maybe Yasker has another song. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure season two will have another one. It has to. That's got to be in the contract. Every D&D player ever who plays a bard has now got their iconic Exactly. of how important it is to have a bard in the party. That's right. Yeah, I, I mean, speaking from one of my D&D parties, our bard is integral. <laughs> She's fantastic. We all need a bard. All right, well, we're uh, hitting time, but you guys, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for your feedback and participating. Yeah. And, Thanks for hanging uh, out with us. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully we'll be here again. And yeah. you will too. Yeah. Maybe thank next you. Maybe next time when we gather, we can talk about these too. Yay! Yes. That would be about the right time, too. Yeah. You guys, it's time to go back and uh, rewatch season one and get prepped. That's right. <laughs> time to get prepped. Season, yeah, it's nice season two. Yeah. December 17th. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. cool. I joked that they gave it to me for my birthday. Oh. <laughs> it was my birthday's the 16th. <laughs> I was like, that was really nice of them. <laughs> it's nice when the universe provides a gift. I'm glad I got to see part of one of your panels because we're so often scheduled against each other. I didn't actually manage to get to one. Yet. Yeah, I missed the Black Widow one because. And I lost part of it because I had things to do in the way, but you know, I got to see half of it. I was yeah, stuck. Yeah, Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.